0: Welcome to the PT Game Changer Podcast. I'm Ryan Prigg. Uh, On this podcast, what I do is I interview personal trainers that have really run successful kick-ass businesses where they've made um, usually over six figures and then gone on to something bigger and better in the industry. Uh, I try and really cut to the core of why each of the individuals I interview are successful, uh, particularly in their own right. Not everyone does it the same way. And in particular, my guest today, his name is Rob Greaves. He is not your typical A-type personality. He's not a chatty guy. He's not an outwardly social guy. Um, So he's not like a lot of the guys I've had on so far. He is a bit of a technical wizard. He's got great knowledge, um, very well-educated guy. Uh, It was a really interesting podcast to see what made him tick. And I think you'll find some really valuable stuff in here, especially if you're more of a introverted type personality. All right, enjoy. All right, welcome to the PT Game Changer podcast. Um, today my guest is Rob Greaves. Um, Rob hails from New Zealand, um, like most of the um, good good people here in Australia. He um, is a guy I've known only for a couple of years now and um, came on as a, a PT at one of the, the club I used to manage and... Was one of the kind of the earlier guys we brought on, and probably the first to crack it at the the club I was at in terms of his, his income and his sessions. Um, he is a bit of a different character from a lot of the people I've had on the podcast in that he's um, he's a little bit quieter, I suppose. That be fair to say?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you then, mate. Yeah, he's
0: he's not he's not a, be- a guy to mince words. He uh, he tells you straight up what he's thinking, and uh, and there's no no fluff or fanfare. So. Um, I'm pretty sure everything he says today will be straight to the point and instantly usable, um, mate. What I'd like to do first is um, is obviously welcome to the podcast, um, and if you could just give us a bit of background on on how it is you came to be a PT,
1: you know what brought you to Australia, stuff like that. Okay, um, right, yeah. cool. Um, so, like Ryan said, I'm obviously from New Zealand. Um, I actually finished high school early and was a mechanic, and uh, felt that my heart wasn't in it. So, um, I loved sport, always played sport and went on to do, uh, my bachelor's degree. And as I was studying, I was helping train other people and they kept telling me to be a PT, be a PT. Um, so that's how I sort of, um, fell into it, so to speak. And, Because um, your bachelor's in... In sport and exercise science. Sport and exercise science, okay. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it just went from there. So I used to uh, help a few people train at a, a local boxing gym uh, back in a place called Hamilton, New Zealand, and um, moved to Australia because uh, I obviously had heaps of family over here, as most Kiwis do. <laughs> yep, yep. And um, yeah, came across Bailey's, started working there as a PT, and that's really where I learned. More about health and exercise was actually working uh, with the people there. Okay,
0: cool. So, so you worked in a, um, I suppose, an unofficial capacity as a trainer, based on your own training. Is that what you were like, or based on like from your um, your sports science course when you when you
1: were working the boxing gym in Hamilton? Yeah, yeah. it was. um, Yeah, just just going by how I felt. So from my past experience from playing rugby. Um, basketball coaching um, with what i was learning during the degree so it was um three years and um and just from from the boxing conditioning and the training that we were doing so uh in my early stages of personal training i'd say i probably pushed a lot of people too hard because i was used to that athletic type of training where most people just go 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 sure um but everyone seemed to enjoy it. And, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Cool. So, all right. So you, you come out to Australia. Um, was and so was the PT job you got here the first um, job you had in Oz? The, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you came and dropped straight into that. Um, now, and and so that's the first time you'd worked in a like a commercial
1: gym, I suppose. It was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, a lot more structured to where I was back home. It was a lot more relaxed. Yeah. Yep. Okay, sweet.
0: Um, so, so you come to this gym now um, to get an idea what what sort of um, session numbers were you doing at, uh, at the club? Like, what was your kind of average
1: week, and what was your max weeks and stuff like that? Um, it would range from I'd say forty to fifty five. Okay, okay. Most of them were um, our close to hour long sessions. So. Uh, that's right. Yeah, you did hour long yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um,
0: so. So forty
1: hours to fifty five hours a week of actual session time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah All was, right. oh. <laughs> How
0: did you? Uh, yeah, how did you manage that?
1: I think I overcooked it in the first year. Yep. To be honest, there was a few times there where I ran myself down, mm-hmm. um, and towards the end of the year, um, things were starting to flow a bit more. Obviously, that experience sort of came through, and I realised that things had to change. Yeah, I was taking breaks during the day and having naps, and yep. um, some days we'll be there for you know sixteen hours, close close to it. Yeah, right.
0: Well, well, that's. I mean, let's let's dive straight into that, mate, because I think, like I said, let's, let's not um, fluff it. We'll cut straight to it. So, how do you, like in your words, um, how long did it take to get up to that kind of those that session count or those number of hours, that that forty to fifty five hours a week worth of actual PT? How long did it take you to build that?
1: Um, sorry, I'm just trying to think. Sure. It, it took a little while because I was I was new to the whole game, and uh, I suppose in in respect to the other trainers around me, I might have been a bit quicker than them, purely for the fact that I put in the hard work. Yeah. And and was present at the gym. Yep. So I would come um, start first thing in the morning. Even if I had no clients booked in, and I'd just be present at the gym. Um, if I needed to do any emails or plan anything, I'll do it all while I was based at the gym. So, um, yeah,
0: yeah, man. I, I can definitely remember that. I think um, I I spoke to um to Luke Christensen on the, on a podcast before about this, and it was one of his main um main business practices was particularly in the early stages, just being present at the gym, like whether you're on the floor doing book work, um, you know, chain to people doing sessions, being available um, for people to actually come in and you know interact with or for you to approach them and stuff like that. It's just like the fundamental non negotiable. You know, if you're there after for enough time, um, you are gonna you're gonna build clients, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Alright, cool. So um so we reckon maybe how long, like four, five, six months? Or how long was it till you're up to that that running capacity? Full capacity would be
1: five five months. Around about, yeah. That's just a guess for me. Okay. Um, so I'll think about the five months. I got up to around the uh, 20 mark pretty quick. Yep. Just because, like I said, I was there. And I'm um, just talking to, to everyone and making myself present and, and no one. Having, having a known consistent face yep. at the gym for um, for the people that came in so.
0: okay so all right so you've got, your, you've got your presence down you're there in the gym now what what was your approach um, to get people from recognizing your face to then becoming a, a pay client?
1: It was a very new thing for me, so I didn't really have a big approach, if you don't remember from uh, when I came, I was a lot more quieter than I am now, and I'm still quiet. Yep. Um, I remember back in New Zealand, I'd walk around and I'd always have a hooded jersey on. Okay. And sort of be shut off from everyone else. Um, Not because I was scared of anyone or, or, you know, I I was just a quiet person, I was still approachable, but... Um, I think when I came into Bailey's and realized that personal training, you do need to be approachable and be a people person and sort of get yourself recognized, um, I really realized that I did have to come out of my shell a lot more, so I just, uh, said hello to everyone, um, even if I was slightly <laughs> afraid to do it, because I never used to really talk to strangers. Yeah, Um, and... Yeah, I think I just realised that I needed to work, yeah, and, and work on on that in terms of a, a business perspective.
0: Okay, because um, because this this is good actually because the the other um, guests I've had on the, the podcast have all been, I guess they tend more towards being pretty um, uh, chatty kind of guys. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're people that um, uh, tend to be people people you know a lot of chat a lot of personality um charismatic you know they're kind of guys that um like a party and like a group and stuff like that and they tend to tend to make themselves the center of attention in a short space of time um but that's that's obviously not your personality at all right no no
1: well it wasn't yeah it wasn't well yeah i've
0: definitely seen your your change
1: over the over the years
0: so well so then i guess answer any way you want um what I'm, what I'm really trying to cut to is what did you do then, given that you were, particularly at the time, a quieter, um, what was your process or what was your, your business practice? Because, I mean, most, like in my experience, most trainers, when they, particularly when they first start out, don't go from zero to, you know, literally zero to 60 almost um, in the space of five months. Mm. You know, like most trainers will take, um, one to two years to to build up to a, a fairly solid session count like that, or you know, unpaid hours in the gym. So if you if you could drill down and that in that time and just think back, um, what do you think it was, or how did you do it? What what was the approach? Did you have a a set way of speaking to people? Did you have a, a procedure that you took them through to showcase your skills? Given that you weren't chatty,
1: um, how did you get them on board? Um, I think quite early, so and. In- in the first uh, couple of weeks that I was there, I realized that I needed to change yep. in terms of opening up and talking to people. Um, so just that self-realization that um, people aren't just going to walk up to me and say, hey, I want 10 sessions. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't just walk into the gym that and go, happen, um, do it, yeah. going, um, train me, train me, and I just want to be hammered and, and, and let's go for it. Um, so internally, I knew that I had a challenge and I, and I had to step up to it. And I think the best thing that helped me was actually listening to and talking to the experienced people, such as yourself um, um, and the owner of the gym at the time, and really listening to what they had to say and take on board. So uh, the biggest thing for me, I would probably say that um, I made sure I walked around. a smile on my face and a sense of confidence in the gym, and I think that 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 sense of confidence really shines through, especially if I, uh, for example, was giving out a free session. Even if I was training a person um, with a free session, just running it with confidence and not being uh, shy about anything or or second-guessing anything and really i um, trying to shine that way, and i picked up a few clients just from other people watching, so other people training in the gym that you might not even be a, think would be a potential client. Yeah, um, Would later on come and ask me. They'll say that they've watched me train people, and they, um, they like what I'm doing. So I think that sense of self-confidence and just giving it a good go really worked <laughs> for me, yeah. such as myself. Okay,
0: so so like if I'm hearing you're right, then because I I know you you don't I know you don't lack confidence. Like you're you're not quiet because you you're uncomfortable. You just you're just not a talkative guy. Mm. You know you weren't at the time anyway. Um, so it was more just the like being available, being present, yeah. um, actively like trying to engage people, whether it be through smiling yeah. or, or or you know getting the eye contact and, and getting them involved and engaged with what you're doing. Exactly. Um, and then um, you were saying that you, you found people came to you after seeing your sessions a lot?
1: Yeah, just after seeing, seeing me work with with my client and giving uh, giving my full attention to that, that person. Yep. You know, not just setting them up and, and letting them do something for a minute while I'm looking elsewhere, um, you know, getting down and giving them the full attention. If they're doing a bridge on the floor, I'd often crouch down with them. So to speak, I found that um, that makes a difference. Yep, in terms of that really personal, personalised approach. You know, not just someone there counting. <laughs> yeah,
0: look, I think this is this is a it's funny, you know, because um, again, to refer back to to Luke's podcast, he actually made the same reference. It, like the there's a real difference between um, getting a client and then giving a session, and being so. Intensely focused and engaged and involved with that person during their session to the point where you're you're on their level when they're doing a push up instead of standing up leaning on something and counting or or even just I mean I, like I I'm, I would give I think what I thought was a great session from a programming point of view I knew my stuff worked mm-hmm. but I would yeah definitely like I I'd, I'd, I'd be standing there counting the reps and, and not really I suppose involved as much with that person so. Um, that's, that's not something I picked up. It's definitely something, but, but for yourself and, and, I know for a lot of the other guys I've, I've interviewed, they've said the same sort of thing like that, that intensity. I can remember looking at your sessions from the outside and just thinking there was such a, it was almost like you were in a bubble. You know what I mean? Like you, you just had such an intense focus. If the fuck a building fell down around you, like I don't think you'd even <laughs> notice, you know, you're like, why well, yeah. is it running for the door? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. So really I, good intense focus.
1: Yeah. I think I'll just, um coming back to the, the so the initial starting point I think I just realized that I had to take it seriously it wasn't just walking into your dream job and and all these people are just gonna um, come and, and you can train and get a beach and things like that and it, it looks really good from the outside and I think that I came in not quite knowing that until I was there yep and realized that I had to pick my game up quickly. Otherwise, um I was gonna I was gonna fail as such as as what we could see around us with our, other trainers. So I sure. think I learned a lot from seeing them and um and seeing them struggle. Yep. And learning learning from their mistakes um as much as I could I suppose, yeah. And um so coming back to the, the quiet sort of thing and not being um out of my shell, um the easiest thing for me was to just to say hello to people as they came in to the gym, sort of welcoming them to the gym. Yep. Um, and when they have finished and leave, um, I'd say, how, how was your session and things like that as a as a way in just to chat to them and talk to them.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, so for you, it was probably more like a layered approach where it was a, you know, a hello on the way in and then a goodbye on the way out and then mm. maybe that's the first time, then the second time, you know, like... Yeah, same or, just more, a bit more, or of just a more, of just one yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, how many like how many layers? Rapport. How many lays do you reckon there was to that before you were talking about sessions?
1: I'd say about two or three. Two or three. Okay. Yeah. D- depending on the person, um, you find out pretty quick if they've been thinking about trading with someone. Yeah. Um, that's what I found. In yeah, as soon as you get them talking, they you can sort of gauge which way the conversation's going. Yeah, uh, whether they're happy with their training or not. And um, Yeah, I don't know. I just I just <laughs> went with it. Went with them look up, I suppose. So, uh, and were
0: you? Um, did you have so we, like? You know, obviously, not being chatty, were you cutting straight to the to the point with these guys once you started talking, or, or were you just? delving into who they were a bit more for a while first and then letting it come naturally or how did you, how did you get into, how, so how did you get into the combos that led to maybe, you know, offering them a session or, or sitting it down and signing them up?
1: I was pretty much a straight shooter. Yeah. But I would always ask without pressure. So, um, cause I've never done sales before. Yep. And, um, yeah, so I, I didn't really have any sort of sales experience. So it was it was basically, you know, how's your training going? And if it wasn't going very good, i just ask them uh, what are they like doing? What have they been doing for how long? And that's sort of building a picture in my mind um, of what they might be doing wrong and what what they might not be doing. Yep. Um, just sort of picking up things on, on where, how, how I could have. Yeah, I'd usually offer them um, a free training session, look them in, and go from there.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, sweet. Okay, cool.
0: So, um, so pretty straight to the point, because this, like I said, this is one thing that I, that it seems to be less common, is if you're quiet and you are a straight shooter, um, tends to be, not harder, but it's less common for people to to really get busy fast like that. Mm. Uh, Do you think that came down to the fact that you'd done your sport science, or do you think it was another factor that allowed you to be so direct with it?
1: I think I didn't focus on the pressure of it as being a sale because the one or two times that I did, (laughs) I could hear myself talking. And I I could feel the pressure. And if you're feeling that pressure, you you know, the energy of that pressure, the other person's probably feeling that as well. They're probably feeling slightly uncomfortable.
0: Sure.
1: That's the way that I look at it as well. So, um, it's just, I was just myself. Yeah. Yeah. I I I was just straight. I was just myself because if I was myself, I didn't feel like I was lying or didn't feel like I was trying to sell something that I didn't believe in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I believe in what I do.
0: So that's yeah, that's um, that's really cool. Like it's because I, I mean I'm a big believer. Having um, I guess having done pure sales and having managed a sales team and that sort of thing, I I have really seen the benefits of having something I suppose scripted and and you know structured and and directed in terms of what you're going to say and knowing it before you go. Um, but, it, I mean, it it's really is a great lesson that you don't have to, I guess, you know, like not bullshit people because I don't think what we did was bullshitting people. You know, it was more about having something that stopped you from rambling or babbling or, yeah. or you know, just yeah. making shit up or not asking the question. <laughs> but I, I suppose that in itself is a structure, you know, like if you if you do some rapport building, and then you, you're confident in the fact that you can help this person, and then you just ask it in a straight out way. That's, I mean, that, I suppose that's a, it's a sales structure in itself, isn't really what you think about it. Yeah, so, yeah, so you know, <laughs> it's probably not uh It's, it's. I guess it's a more difficult one to teach mm. um, than a structured approach. But it just it does show that not, there's no one best way. Like there are different ways, and you do need to suit it to your personality as much as you can.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, um, I'm a big believer of if you're, if, if, for example, if you're trying to build your business and sell yourself, if you're seen in the gym more than other trainers, um, you're obviously going to be noticed more. And if you're walking around with a sense of confidence, they're automatically going to look at you and think that that trainer is, you know, he's a good trainer. That's how I felt anyway. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying walk around like you you absolutely own the own place, the place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but have have a sense of self confidence about you because if you're walking around with your shoulders forward and, you, and your chin chucked down, um, and you look nervous, I don't think anyone's going to really want to train with you. I don't believe that you know what you're talking about or what you're, you're portraying something that you believe in. Yeah. So, okay. so what did
0: you use to draw confidence from it? Like, what, what was your source of confidence? How did you? Were you always a confident guy or? Did you develop that or how did you, where did it come from?
1: Um, it come from, I think, just allowing myself to believe in in what I did. And, um, I knew that the programs that I had were good. Yep. Um, I enjoyed training people. And yeah, the hardest thing about my job was the, was the sales, was picking people up. And I don't know. I, that's I know, a good question. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't really think about it too much because, well, you know me, um, I just go out and do things yeah. as, as best I can. If I need to change something, I'll change it. Yeah. Or um, really give it a good go. So um, I did learn some sales stuff. I think it, I used it maybe twice, and I could see how it makes sense. Um, and I probably used it without even knowing it. Right. You know, talking to people uh, and, and getting that emotional connection is good, and it sort of comes like second nature after a while. Yeah. You know? um, but I think really having the mindset of you're not just trying to make a sale, but you actually believing in what you've got. It's a sale. It's in my mind. It wasn't like making a sale. Yeah, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I, I think because I because I watched you in action. Because I know, like, so I know behind the scenes. Like, so you, you did your your sports science degree, mm-hmm. um, and then I don't know how you managed it. But on top of the the hours that you worked, I know you were also. Study along the way. Mm. Um, you, you, you've always been um, like something that's really close to my heart. You've always been someone that w- wants to upgrade your skills, like every spare moment of the day. You know, if you're yeah. not yeah, if you're not working be. or going with your with your friends or whatever, then you're smashing down as much knowledge as you can and information and, and you know book learning and videos and stuff like that. So, do you think that um, your um, your knowledge and also your commitment to to your education, your growth. Was something that gave you confidence, <sighs> or do you not oh, see prob- it that way?
1: Probably, probably. I think um, the fact that <sighs> yeah, the the knowledge is a key factor for me because um, I, yeah, like I, I believed in what I was selling. I think the fact that I had done the hard yards in terms of um, played some good level of rugby, um, trained with some excellent boxing coaches, so I've done some really good hard strength and conditioning stuff as well. Yeah, and just going through that yourself and being, you know, fit yourself um, gave me confidence in being able to get other people to that level. Yeah. And yeah, just the fact that I realised, I think the key thing is that you realise you do need to get out there and give it a good crack. Um, I noticed that the peers that I was with in in the gym, um, the ones that were struggling were the ones that were sitting in the corner, not approaching anyone, and the ones that were not present at the gym, sort of waiting for people to come to them, so to speak. Were the ones that were, were really struggling,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, you can pretty much tell, um, you can pretty much tell someone that's that's sitting out in the trainer room talking shit because they're the ones that are complaining that the gym doesn't do enough for them or there's not enough members or you know, there's fucking people can't afford it or, or whatever other rubbish story they want to tell themselves. Like, pretty much, if you hear a uh, someone roll on with a couple of excuses, I'll, I'll find you someone that, that doesn't want to do any work, you know. Like, yeah. and, and the truth is, with with fitness and with especially personal training, um, it's it's a hard job. It really is. You know, like I mean, you hear the kind it is. You, you're constantly trying to pick up new clients because you, there's a there's a, just a normal rate of drop off, like in any business. Um, you know, no, I mean, you have some clients that stay forever. You know, I had clients for mm-hmm. for many years that that stayed, but a lot of times you get drop offs. Um, and there's a lot of hours to be worked, you know, where you're giving a lot of your energy and your your time and your knowledge, and it you know it's not an easy gig. And and if you're not willing to put the work in, then you will. You'll hear those those trainers that, you know, oh there's not enough members, or you know the gym doesn't give me enough of this, or um, you know I don't want to sell, or all those kind of rubbish excuses. So um, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, all right, so I'm gonna I'll change direction a bit now. You studied, um, you did your, your d- degree at university, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know since then you've taken um, other courses, like privately run courses through different groups. Like so you've done um, some Paul Check stuff, right? Yep, yep. yep. Um, have you? What, what other sort of private stuff have you done?
1: Any other names there that are worth? No, no big names. Um, just a lot of self stuff and. Yep. Um, so just reading reading a few different books and um, keeping an eye on things. and um, I've read a lot of stuff on the internet, but I'm one that I consider myself pretty good at weeding out the, the bad um, articles from the good and the, yep. the actual legit ones. Um,
0: yeah, I suppose I mean, yeah. If, you, if you study at uni, you're going to have that, that research-based background where you have to actually find what's legit and what's not. In terms of the, so in terms of the private stuff you've done where you've, you know, you've paid for for training, um, through, through check or whoever, um, compared to your degree, how do you find the two different types of content stack up? I find the, actually I'll say that in terms of practicality with clients, like how did you find your sports science degree versus the stuff you've learned privately stack up with clients?
1: My sports science degree, um. Gave me a really good base. I look at that now, and think that that is just a base degree. Anyone, uh, if there's anyone out there that's studying their sports science degree, I urge them to keep their momentum going and do your masters, honours, go on to do your doctorate. Yeah. Just keep that momentum going, because that degree to me is just base. Okay. So after that, I came out into the big wide world. And had almost no skills of dealing with clients, customers, and actual business, and and uh, yet running things in the real world. So um, The check stuff that I've done um, has been very beneficial, and um, I think it's more realistic and more usable, more user-friendly, so yep. to speak. But I do... Think that I understand stuff quite quickly from a good base, from my sports science degree.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. for example,
1: uh, no offence to anyone out there, but your cert three, cert four, they'll be good at training circuits and, and setting up um, certain things from, from what I've seen. Yep. But may not have the base knowledge behind them as to to why, or how, or what's actually going on inside the body, um, how their cells inside the body are actually changing, and I think that gives you a good—you um, can sort of work someone out whether it's working for them or not. If you've got a good base behind, you. yeah, mate, you, you don't got
0: to pull any punches. You're allowed to offend anyone you want on this podcast. <laughs> you can swear or whatever you want to do. Look, I, you know, it's—it's it's a reality. Like, um, I. This is. No, I don't blame this on anyone, but the the fact is, after watching a lot of trainers come through and managing them, um, if if you're relying on what you learned in your Cert Three and Four, good luck. Like you know, you're gonna have a real hard time. You you have no option but to do extended um, education, whether that be through university or whether it be through a private training company. Um, whether it be paying a, a guy that runs a really solid business for his time to tell you how to do yours better, you know, like you, you just can't escape it. The, the course gets you insurance basically um, and, and they'll, they'll keep getting better. Like I'll say that, they're going to get better. But um, for the people that join somewhere right now, if you don't have a really strong leadership group um, or group of trainers in your club, you get yourself into some education, quick, smart, as quickly as you can, uh, improve your skills uh, in a broad way business as well as technical um or you, you're not gonna you just won't you won't succeed unless you're a one of those genetic freaks who who's really good looking and has the perfect body you know like and and every, there's like that's that's less than one percent it's not that many people so you really have to throw yourself out there into the into the world of education um yeah you, you're gonna you're
1: gonna struggle big time and just look take on what you're learning learn it know it yeah there's a lot of people that um, you know you can do a quick course just to get the certificate, but not actually understand it. Yeah, just because you've reverberated some something that you've read in a test and passed. Yeah, you yeah. um, know, it's, it's a really good one
0: actually, and um, I've been guilty of this before as well. So, so I've actually I've actually trained one of Rob's clients um, since he left the the gym we were at, um, and. This guy said he done training for he done training before. Um, he's quite a, uh, a successful businessman himself, and he had, he said to me in the sessions, he goes, I've, "I've never ever trained with anyone the way I trained with Rob in terms of the the structure and the investment in in what he was doing, and the way he's explained it, he said to me basically, like he could tell that what Rob had done, he'd actually practiced before on people." Like it wasn't just something that he read about that he was handing over as as um, gospel. He'd taken those ideas, he'd actually practiced them with clients, and therefore he knew they were gonna work, and they did. Like he I mean, this guy we're talking about, he had some pretty pretty fucking awesome results, you know. Like for he's a 40-year-old guy it's in pretty wicked shape, you know, who works like eighty hour weeks and stuff. So he's definitely in shape. He's definitely in shape, you know. Um, so I've been really guilty of this myself over the years where um, there's a, there's a, I guess an urge or a, or a feeling when you when you do start learning that there's so much out there that you need to know to make it. That instead of, well, instead of taking what you've learned and applying it, like you said, knowledge you know, mm. knowledge applied, taking it and applying it, you tend to just try and learn as much as you can, and you walk around with a head full of information. Yeah, but you don't know if the technique's really going to work. So. I don't know if you have a, a way of explaining it, but um, what was your approach to make sure that when you learned something, you actually, you know, you actually did do it, and, and without feeling like you had to use everything in,
1: in your every tool in your, um, in your box? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Does that question make sense? I think so. Um, I'm one for if you're learning something, let's say it's, it's a certain training method, give it a go yourself, so you can feel. What your client's going to feel. Yep. Um, like I said, I feel that I've got a good sort of base knowledge on how the body works and most how most systems in the body works. So I'd sort of sit there and analyse it for yourself, and if it makes sense to me, um, then then I'll try it and I'll, I'll use it on other people and I'll ask them for their feedback. You know. Um, something that's really important so for personal training is it doesn't matter how good the program is. What matters is if they're actually going to do it. Yep. The program that works is the program that they're going to do. For sure. So um, in my unstructured sales pitch, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or after I've sold, um, I would ask them, you know, what do they enjoy doing in terms of exercise and what they think they might enjoy doing. Do they want to learn something new? And um, i always ask them, what's their view on what they'd like from me? Because sometimes uh, what I've found in my experience is that people might walk into the gym, okay, yep, they've got a personal trainer. They might have their own view on the training that they want to do. Sure. Um, such as, you know, they might want to do all this kettlebell work. But if you don't ask them, they might not tell you. Yeah. Okay, because they trust you. After a while, um, if you give them some a program that's different, after a while they might, you know, you, you don't get that same sort of feeling from them that they're enjoying their program. So I always ask them, what they enjoy or what they think that they might like. And then I'll tailor my programs to try and fit that. Okay. Yeah. Um, So in terms of, of my programming, I'd usually have the basic full body movements in there and then tag on what their interests are. And if I think that they really need to work on something else, um, because of, of their body structure, etc., or, or what's going on, I'll put that in there as well.
0: Okay. Um, so, I mean, this is pretty important because obviously you've got like a very scientific background. Where, I mean, in, in probably a lot of situations, yeah. you'd have seen someone and gone, "I really know that you should be doing this," <laughs> but that doesn't. I mean, that doesn't necessarily translate to that person staying with you as a client and getting oh. results in the end does it. Like if you give them exactly what they need, but yeah. don't consult them or don't, or don't engage them with
1: what they want, then the, the key thing is giving them what they want. Yeah. Okay. And, and you be happy with what you're giving them as well. Um, so I guess you'll, you'll find that from experience is finding that happy medium. But um, the, the one thing above all is that keeping the client happy because a happy client, is going to get a lot more results than a stressed client or a client that's coming to the train and doesn't really want to do what they're doing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, if you've got someone that seriously, seriously hates squats and gets a complex every time you mention squats or gets stressed out, I probably won't give them squats. Yeah. I when mean, it's, it's it is a fundamental exercise. So, so, so for you, I where's work the into it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Often. Um, where's the line for you then, in terms of like giving them what they what they need to improve versus making sure that they they're enjoying what they're doing and, and feeling good about it? Because I know, again, with the with the the influence of the strength conditioning world, a lot of people feel like they need to be giving these um, super detailed, super analytical, um, perfect you know programs that need to get results in the next you know nine weeks. Yeah, um,
1: which is what i started doing right at the start is
0: that that's yeah. what i was
1: doing, that's, that's I, was doing. I, okay. was, I was spending a lot of time on programming for people and that we're, we're too much for your general your general target market or your general population yeah a lot of people that come to the gym don't want to be superheroes yeah you know but, um or they they might say that but they don't really want to they don't want to put
0: the time <laughs> and, the right. and the, the effort and yeah, the hours and the reps and the eating and they don't want to train the like an races. athlete. Yeah. You know, no. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Cause that's a reality. I mean, if you've got, um, whatever the, I don't know what percentages or the breakdowns are, but most people aren't looking to be, and nor can, can they really be trained like, like athletes, you know, it's a very small subgroup And if you try and, if you get caught up in the, the whirlwind of the strength conditioning um, training styles and forget that you're actually working with human beings, not athletic robots, yeah. you know, like, you, you're going to fuck up. They're not going to want to come back. Mm. They're going to get too annoyed at the fact that, you, that you're that you trying to push them through, you yeah. know, a, a square peg through a round hole. Um, if, if you're that sort of person, like, if you have that sort of mentality or that mindset, and you're willing to live your life in that way, I think you probably can make it work because you'll tend to attract those type of clients. Yeah. Um, but if that's the case, you, you you better have a good business model because there's not many people around yeah. that want to... Yeah. You're going to have to be good at you're gonna selling. You're going to have to be <laughs> good at selling yeah. and really good at getting results yeah. in short-based yeah. time. You're going
1: to have to... I'd say you'd have to, um, if you wanted to build up your business quick, you're going to have to have some really good marketing as well Yeah. for that. Whereas if you're just going into a gym and and relying on the people that are coming into the gym and, and relying on talking to people, um, you're going to need to adapt to those those people and and, and what they want. Yeah. In terms of um, so what I started doing after I realised that was, like I said, asking them what they enjoyed, what they expected from me. Um, I think is very important. Now I haven't seen a lot of trainers ask people that. Yeah. what they expect, what they expect. Yeah. from you because uh, they might have a totally different picture in your head. I never used to do a lot of uh, programs of footballs, yeah. you know, Swiss balls, so to speak. Um, and some people would come and, you know, it might be a female that that's what they've got in their mind. And uh, to keep them, to convert them, to to train with them, you might have to learn a bit of football stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just, you're just just asking people straight up to say, what do you expect from me in terms of your training?
1: Yes. Yeah. I imagine that's probably what you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> straight to the point. Yeah. What do you and expect? I, I just ask them in a, in a confident, happy, you know, um, way. Yeah. Even if they, they think that they're not quite sure.
0: Because this, yeah, this is a good point, actually, because a lot of people feel like, um, I, I reckon they feel like that they the clients coming to them and they're the, you know, they're the teacher or the educator or the the trainer and that they should have all the answers and they shouldn't have to ask any questions. But that's, that's fucking stupid. Like if, if you feel like you, if you need to know everything to be able to consult with someone, one, you've got about 50 years of study ahead of you, like you're never going to know everything because it changes and grows, um, so quickly, but two, um, um, I've just lost my train of thought. Jog my memory.
1: <laughs> you are talking about study, fifty years of study, years of study
0: ahead of you. Um... Oh, yeah. If you if you're not willing to, uh, to to ask your client, if you feel like you have to be that person and you can't ask your clients questions, you're not really. Um, I think you, you're putting too much stock in um, being this perfect, you know, image of a trainer like you don't need to know all the answers and very often your clients don't want you to be this, this perfect paragon of virtues, you know, like they Mm. want to know that, um, they won't be out again. They want to know that you went out on the piss and had a good time. They want to know that you stuffed your face with chocolate cake, you know, and and lay there in your own mess. Like they want to know that you're a human being. And if you, if you have to be the, the source of solidarity or the the source of strength all the time, and you don't show who you really are and ask questions and, and ask them what they want, then, um, I, I think you're really doing yourself a disservice. You're not you're not engaged with that person on a personal level. You don't have trust. You know, like if you if you trust someone, then you can ask them their opinion and and make yourself vulnerable. But if you don't, then you, you probably got your client too much at a distance. Really.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like my. Uh... Fuck, I'm glad I got that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like what you said there with the trust. You know, I like my clients to trust me, and that's why I ask them. You know, what do they expect? I, I try to get in their head and what are they thinking, and what do they think about me? What do they expect that they're going to get from me? Yep. Um, yeah. So going back to that that scientific background, I found that it was definitely not for everyone, and it does get <laughs> it does get boring for people. Yeah, they don't want to train scientifically. So all I did was made sure that I wasn't going to give them anything that's going to damage them, um, and and to make sure that they're having fun. And I'd ask them after you know repeated sessions for feedback, honesty, yeah, you know, truthful feedback. How are you enjoying this? Um, and let them know that that's not the only way that I can train someone.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's really good. Because yeah, really I, I
1: do think that a lot of a lot of clientele from, um, say, so, so you pick someone up off the floor. If you start training them one way, they'll start thinking that that's the only way that you can train someone. Yeah. So I think that letting them know that there's different stages, there's different levels of training. You know, if you train this way for you know six weeks or so, you're going to need to change. Yeah, it's you know slightly different yep. stimulus. And that can mean anything depending on, on your goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. And, and whether you're enjoying it or not. Because, again, it just comes back to yeah. the program that works is the program that they're going to do. And if they're a happy person and they're happy with what they're doing, I'd say that they're most likely going to get their results or, or definitely stick around.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah if sweet.
1: they're stressed out, they don't enjoy what they're doing, um, there's almost a zero chance of getting results. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. All
0: right. So in terms of results, we've got a couple kind of, um, I guess almost like short answer questions. Um, with your programming, did you have an idea of how long it would take to to get from, given that you tried to kind of give them what they need, but also address what they want, did you have an idea of how long it was going to take to get your average person from from where they started to their goal, or was it different for everyone, or did sure. you not give
1: them indication? How did you? No, I didn't. Um, it was person specific. Okay, so it, it depends on their their personality and again their programming. A guy like Army, depending on um, on on his goals. I mean four to six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was quick. Yeah, quick. yeah. 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 He he had the garden. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, um, he was someone that had the work ethic, um, had a good attitude and, you know, he'd listen to any sort of nutritional information, um, and do a bit of research himself. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not stupid. He was definitely, <laughs> he was definitely
0: invested in the in the process. And he, exactly. yeah, he did give
1: it everything. Yeah. Um, some people, you know, might even have to allow four weeks for them to get into the right mindset. Yeah, for the psychology first, and then then the results might start to come. Yeah, yep.
0: yeah, for sure. Um, how did you how did you um, implement or address nutritional um, change with your clients? Um, did you do it within the within one session, did you give them stuff to take home, what did you find the most effective way to get nutritional changes with, with
1: clients um, that again was person specific, I think everything okay. I did was person specific ok, well, what are some yeah. of the ways then so like some, ways some of the ways would just be uh, just very simple stuff you know, uh, most people reducing their dairy Okay. is a big one, uh, reducing the gluten. So, okay. so Yeah, they might not need to cut it out completely, but reducing it and see, see what the changes are. You know, cutting out things like sugar. For most people, that will start getting you a big difference. And if you give them a few small things like um, reducing your dairy, cutting out your sugar, and, you know, uh, reducing your six uh, cups of coffee down to two, if they do those first few things, you might be able to get more in depth with them. If they don't do those first few things, then I didn't really push further on the nutrition side of it with them. Yeah. Because they might not be ready for it themselves. Yeah, for sure. You know?
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, um, it's a really good point to, um, sometimes when you know best practices, if, um, if people don't do them, you know, if they're not going to, if they're not going to implement those very basic, First line sort of things, and they there's no point giving them anything more advanced, really, is there? No. Oh, there's no point worrying about um, oh, no. um, you know, micronutrient deficiencies if someone just fucking won't cut <laughs> out eating, you know, like sugar all the time and exactly. stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah. there's no real point to going to go that, that in depth stage. Yeah. So yeah. And and were you more um, spoken
1: instruction, or did you give stuff people to, to look at at home? or how did you, how did you um, it, it? It'll be spoken in the first level. So first level will be spoken, um, and I'll probably ask them, oh, what what sort of things do you eat? And what I do now is I ask them where do they think that they're lacking, because a lot of people already know what they're doing wrong. Sure. Their common sense is out there somewhere. (laughs) It's not that common, but but some people do have a little bit of it, and uh, most of them will know. They'll say, hey, well, I probably should stop having a can of Coke every day. And then they might ask you something. Oh, is Powerade? Should I be taking it? Yeah. You know. And if they're not an elite cyclist, I'd probably say, No, don't worry about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't need fifty grams of sugar or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> eighteen tablespoons of sugar in the
0: Powerade. Um. Yeah, it's. Uh, there is that. I found it really hard, and I mean, you tell me what you think. I found it really hard after a while when um, people would hit that kind of natural uh, stagnation point, you know, where they'd, they'd make changes and they'd train and they'd make some progress and then it just kind of hit that, where they were in their, their life in that time, that was it, they just stopped and they they wouldn't make more changes beyond that. I used to find that point so frustrating, you know. Mm. Like it would, it would be one of those things where I, I'd, I'd, there's probably I'd start losing interest at that point in time. Did you, did you find you were the same, or you were pretty cool? Yeah, forward?
1: yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think back to when I was, um, you know, yeah. working um, PT in, in in the early stages when I got to that point. It was quite difficult. Um, from what I've learned since, I. Dive even more into the into the rest of their life. Okay. How stressed are they? Are they are they stagnant and not getting any changes because they're so stressed out at work? Their cortisol levels are through the roof. Yeah. Or, or is there something else going on? Um, do they have any other health problems? Are they taking a medication that they haven't told me that they're taking? Yep. You know. Uh, i just yeah try and try and look at the other things because. If they are coming to you <laughs> and telling you that they're doing everything um, down to the letter of, of what you've given them and you're confident in, in what you've given them works, um, then there's got to be other factors in there. Yeah. So then, then you can start asking them certain questions about what sort of food are they eating you know, um, and get get right down to the to the nitty-gritty sort of stuff with toxicity levels. Are they drinking good water? Are they getting enough sleep? You know, um, because you can tell them in the early stages, you know, make sure you get um, a close to eight hours sleep at night, be in, be in bed before 10.30 or 10, yep. you know, sleep by 10.30, and whether they're actually doing that or not, you yeah. it's a different story. And, whether and, they're drinking clean water is a different story. And as,
0: as we know from <laughs> the experience, like if you don't get enough sleep, say goodbye to fat loss. Like it's fucking right <laughs> out the window. It only takes like, yeah. you get two bad nights sleep and you're pretty much yeah. so insulin insensitive. It's not funny. Yeah. You know, like you're you're not, um you're not body, burning body fat anymore. So they are, that's, that's a really hard one. And I'll, I'll probably wind it up today. I'd, I'd really love to get you back on another time and actually talk like technical stuff. Like talk some yeah, shop cool. and, 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 you know, techniques and, and things that people to focus on. But, um, um, yeah, I wanted to keep today kind of more about the, the business side of things and how you, how you engage your clients. And you know, it, it, is, it is pretty phenomenal to work 55 kind of hours a week like mm-hmm. of clients. So you, don't, you don't see it very often. It's only that small group. Um, pretty much but, everyone has been on this podcast. Well, but
1: that was for that, that period of time. I mean, um, if I was going back to that stage again, i would definitely balance it out a lot more. Yep. and change change what's doing. You know, maybe charge more and reduce the, reduce the numbers. Yeah, um, because I did run myself into the ground. Into the
0: ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, just just because you have done it, sorry. Um, and I do want to keep the businessy. What what were the um I guess the business practices that you had to put in place to make sure that you could do that amount of sessions, but still not because I don't know, like I I'd, I'd forget to mm. get payments or I'd not. You know, like, were you? Did you have automated payments? Were you? Were you getting direct debits? Or um, how did you make sure that you were paid? Your invoices went out. That everyone was up to date.
1: That your bookwork was done. Like, did you have any assistance for that? I just had, <laughs> no. I was, I was um, pretty caveman like, <laughs> yeah. but I'd, I'd just get people online banking and set up automatic payments. Okay, for, for my consistent clients. Yep. Other than that, they'll usually just pay me sitting next to me on the phone. Right. Okay. Via via internet, etc. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't the best one at setting that up. Um, I probably would have gone the whole. uh, What's it system called? Like like uh, a yeah Yeah. automatic subscription payment sort of thing. Yeah. 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 I definitely packages. Um, I did sell you know quite a few packages, um, ten at a time, etc. Easy to deal with, it's just one lump sum straight into your bank. Yeah, but I did have a a big diary that i have in front of me, had my whole week in their time slots, and they'll be color coded. So I just kept in contact with who who had paid, who hadn't, how many sessions I had had done for the week, Um, and kept an eye on how many cancellations I had, and uh, kept throwing in free sessions. Yep. You know, even, even when I was busy. With potential. or With potential. Yeah. yeah. Keeps around in one or two, three sessions because um, there's always school holidays. There's always someone getting sick. Yeah. That's what I found there. Yeah. Yep. Especially school holidays. You need to prepare for those um, family trips away, Christmas time. Don't forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, sweet. Well, mate, um, we'll, we'll wrap it up. This has been um close to an hour, and uh, I know your time is valuable, so um, like thank you for coming on. Uh, if Thanks if we could <laughs> if we could get you back and uh, and talk some some in depth kind of um you know nutrition maybe and and yeah. training techniques um so that people got a few more say programming feathers in their
1: cap then that would be awesome. Yeah. Too easy. Easy. Cheers, Thanks, mate. mate. Thank you.